Hi, this is the See You Next Tuesday podcast. We have dirty words and shit potholes throughout the entire episode. Our name literally spells Kant. How could you not know what was coming? Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the See You Next Tuesday podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm Amina. And we're here. (laughs) We made it to another episode. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of a struggle. Yeah, sometimes it can be. That's for sure. Speaking of struggles. Yeah. So, you know, my kids were home before they went back to college. Yeah. Somehow I lost all my underwear. What? It was just like, it dwindled. Did your daughter, like, take some with her by accident? Well, it was while she was still here. And we were in Target, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm just going to buy underwear here. Yeah. And then they had, like, the 7 for 25. And I'm like, fine, fuck it. And I, there are so many people in Target. Because we went, I went to work, and then I got off work, and then we stopped, and we had um, a sushi lunch. Yeah. At that place that's by the Target that, you know, we go to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Have you ever had sushi there? I have not. Oh, it was real good. Oh, and the wait staff was amazing. I wanted to bring them all home. Not to wait on me, to be my friends. Right, right. I got you. Because I don't have any. (laughs) Hey, what about me? Well, you. Yeah. And that's it. (laughs) You. (laughs) I have you. So I was trying to expand our friend circle. Maybe, yeah. I was trying to give a golden girl on it over here, okay? Yeah. Trying to keep it high and tight. So, um, then we went to Target. So, you can imagine how late in the day it was. Oh, yeah. Before school starts. Mm, Lord, help me. So, this is what I did. I need underwear. Oh, seven for $25. I just grabbed the first seven pairs I saw in my size. Done. End up with, like, two pairs of granny panties. (laughs) Guess what? Most comfortable fucking underwear I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so wait, are you endorsing? We're at the stage in life where we're going to start supporting and endorsing granny panties? Maybe. Oh, shit. I didn't realize I had them. Uh-huh. The laundry gets... Oh, here's another thing. The laundry gets done. Next thing I know, daughter moves out. Laundry gets done. All of a sudden, I have all this underwear again. It's like she realized, oh shit, these are mom's underwear. They're not mine. And threw them back in the laundry room. You know what? I am not going to shame the the granny panties thing. Because you know what? Do you. Do whatever makes you feel happy and comfortable, man. So tired of people telling us what we should wear and what we should look like and what makes you whatever. Go for it. I pulled them out of the drawer. I'm like, oh, I bought these? Huh. I really should have looked at what I was buying. (laughs) And I'm like, fuck it. I put them on, and I wore them to work. I'm like... Yeah, baby. Yeah. Grannies are all something. Man, you know, it's also the support, you know, in the tum area. That's really nice. Just mm-hmm. have that, like, security like that. Mm, then okay. you don't have stuff, like, flopping about all day. Yeah. Yeah, rolling over your jean tops mm-hmm. or, well, soft pants, of course. Naturally. Of course. Naturally. Everyone knows we only wear leggings. Only wear leggings. I mean, not all the time, but, like, for the most part. Especially yeah. when podcasting, to be honest, because like, oh, you just like jeans are all tight and shit. And so I wore a pair yeah. of hard pants to work the other day. Mm. 
you know what my coworkers said? What? Oh my God, you're wearing hard pants. <laughs> so my, it's rubbed off to your coworkers now, am I Be- saying? <laughs> because I oh, have been great. preaching hard pants. I've yeah. been trying to make it happen for you. Thank you. Thank you. You made it happen. They only refer to them as hard pants when they're talking about me and my hard pants. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get them eventually. It'll spread. So yeah. if anyone in your neighborhood in some other part of the country is saying hard <laughs> pants, you're welcome. I came up with that. <laughs> she did. Because like the fucking, you know, the pandemic, man. It made you realize like, why the fuck was I wearing this all day at work? Thinking that I was comfortable and even in my house, I used to wear jeans. Like, in Ooh. my house, oh. I used to wear jeans. Are you a psycho? I, I, yes, I was. Yes, I was. I and am, now I'm like, what the fuck was I even thinking? I've never worn hard pants inside the house. It's insane. Do not do it. Do not recommend zero out of ten. In fact, when I get the last one out here mm-hmm. in a couple of years, mm-hmm. I'm not going to wear clothes at all. Oh, no. Fuck, absolutely. Correct. Correct. Now, see, I'm exactly like you, but the house is so goddamn cold... <laughs> That I'm like, sweatshirt, sweatpants, socks, you know, like, that's the thing. And so it's like, I look like a cave troll because it's fucking cold at the house. Not because I want to look that way. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah. But I will say this. I do like it cold when I sleep at night, though. So we do have our, well, I think my house is always cold. Mm -hmm. But at night, we do have it really cold. Yes. But I sleep with a heating pad because mm. nine times out of ten, I have some sort of body part that hurts real bad. Yeah. And that just, like, it definitely can, like, take out that, at least relieve it so mm-hmm. you can sleep. Yeah, dude. Guess what they sell? Hmm. Heated heating pads that are um, massaging. What? And weighted. <gasps> what? Like a little mini... Not many. They have big ones. What the fuck? Are you serious? Like a blanket almost? I would not I would not play about this. That sounds incredible. I, I want that right now, actually. Uh, oh, you me can lay too. on it. Me too. Or you can have it lay on you. Oh, I like all of the options for this. Dude. You know, and weighted blankets are great. We had one for a hot minute. And, um... We eventually returned it because it was too small. You know, it was ju- it was just enough on the bed. But man, it, people preach at about them, and I get it. It's they're very comfortable. I have never had a weighted blanket just because I feel like it would give me anxiety. It actually does the opposite, and and you know, again, actually from our last episode of disabilities, you know, it was actually developed for children, from my understanding, with autism. And it found that it's a very calming, soothing thing to them. And then, you know, people were like, oh, actually, it's for everyone. Very calming and soothing. Oh, wow. This thing. Oh, my God. $60. Get it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got to get that. That sounds incredible. I mean, everyone needs this. (laughs) Yes. Sincerely. Dude, and this is the thing. Like, if I were rich, I would spend my money on making that, like, an entire comforter. Like, Either I'd find a company that had it, and I don't care how much it would cost. I would spend my money on, like, comfort items. You know what I mean? I mean, it's 12 by 24. Shit, how big is that? One foot inches? by two feet. One oh, feet yeah. wide, two feet long. Yeah, hey, yeah. That's literally That's half my body. Dude. Oh, my God. Oh. This is a decision that you need to buy it right now. 
do it. Oh, <laughs> you know how much trouble I get into I for shit like that. But seriously, that sounds incredible. I mean, I just think I get now why older people want comfort. I get it. I'm like 100% there. I'm like, yep. I don't want to be bothered by not nothing. The world is too much as it is. The last thing I want to do is have to deal with a goddamn pant issue cutting into my flesh just because I ate one too many cinnamon rolls that day. No. Last thing I need on my plate right now. You know Literally. what? You know what? I'm going to speak to not millennials. What's the ones after them? Gen, Gen Z. Z. Yeah. Gen Z, I'm talking to you. You're probably not listening because, you know, this is old ladies yeah, and podcasting. We're old ladies. We're not your demographic. <laughs> your you might be, but if you're listening, we love you. You're our favorite. We do, actually, yeah. Um, I'm talking to you. Y'all are doing amazing things, changing this Fuck world. Yeah. Thank God. And you know what? I'm very proud of you. I'm proud to call you all my children. Mm-hmm. But I need you to do something for your mama. Your see you next Tuesday mama. Here's what I need you to do. Make soft pants acceptable in public. Please. Yeah, 100%. Soft pants. Um, comfort. If, I yeah. need you to make comfort a thing again. Yeah. You know, here's the thing, though. We can just do that now. Like, with fashion, have you noticed it's literally like, fuck all? People just do whatever the fuck now? I know, but so. I need for, like, everyone to be on board <laughs> with comfort. <laughs> yeah. And it starts with them. Yeah. No, yeah, you know what I mean? Sure. Because yeah. they do it. And then the old, little old bit, people do like, it. then the millennials do it. And then, um, who's after the millennials? It's you. Oh, you, you forgot your own generation, the forgotten generation, Gen X. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then as Gen Xers, bury deep all your emotions. <laughs> well, we just don't give a fuck, but I'm going to do it's it true. anyways. But I really, I just am tired of my daughter when we go in public making me put the hard pants on. So, if all you other Gen Zers tell her it's okay, then we'll be fine. Then I'll be able to wear my leggings in public when I go to Target with her. Because <laughs> she made me put hard pants Aww. on to go to sushi and Target. T's and P's. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So, I gotta ask uh, have you been watching anything lately? But that, like, Longmire. Longmire. Yeah. That's what you're telling me. Yeah, it's six seasons long, so that's all I've been watching. Oh, my God. What season are you on right now? Five. Oh, you're almost there, girl. You, you got this. That's a, you can knock that out after this. Shit. You know I'm gonna. I know you will. <laughs> you know I'm gonna. Hello. So I um, have the privilege of putting together <clears throat> my favorite Lego set so far. So for those who don't know, I have anxiety. <laughs> who doesn't, right? Uh, and so I found that putting together Lego sets, like literally just wipes it clean. Um, Lego sets are the best. Oh my God. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. They're so fun and creative and hell, just even if you just want the box of blocks, they do sell them still. That's just so much fun. And don't think that you're stupid for doing it. It truly, if it makes you happy, whatever it is, sincerely. Um, I have literally made a list of Lego sets I want and given it to my entire family because I'm like... Christmas ideas. Hello, send it to me, sis. Seriously. Okay. I'll buy you a fucking Lego set. Shit. I bought you the <laughs> queer I went. Why wouldn't I buy you a Lego set? Um, but yeah, no. So I am putting together the DeLorean from Back to the Future right now. Shut your face. I am so excited. I'm losing my mind a little bit. I didn't know that they had that one. I haven't seen that one. 
yeah. So is it new? It's new. Yeah. Um, check their website. They may still have it. Um, my pod hubby invested it in it for me because he knew I'm like obsessed with that car. And future talk, it's coming back. They're bringing the DeLorean back in 2024. And they just released the, the com, you know, the, uh, what's it called? The concept mm-hmm. uh, at whatever show. Motor Trend had a thing on it. It looks really cool. Um, but they're going to release like a limited release to like rich people first. And then they're going to release it to all the rest of us normies. Right. Of course. I just want the fucking stainless to just make it look as close as possible. You know what I mean? Are you going to trade in your car for the DeLorean? No, I'm just going to buy a DeLorean. <laughs> or actually, no. Yeah, actually, I'm going to trade in my car for a DeLorean. <laughs> the red one. Yeah. Oh my God. If it looks it, cool. Does like, Pod Hubby know this? Yeah. I've literally said I'm buying a DeLorean. He's like, huh? I'm like, I'm buying a DeLorean. I'm buying <laughs> Do you want to know what my pod hubby wants to buy? What? This is going to shock you. He wants one of those Tesla trucks. What? Ew. What? Really? <laughs> he what? loves them. Really? I think they're disgustingly ugly. Me too. Really? Uh-huh. He it, loves them. It looks like Minecraft kids made it. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's, wow. I don't know how to take that. Why does he like it? I don't know. He just loves it. Some people really like it. We're we're in discussion. Well, we're t- I may be getting a new car soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Makes sense. I can't. I don't know how much longer I can drive a standard, so. Yeah. Um, but in those discussions, um, because Chucky down the hall is about to turn 16. Uh-huh. Oh, sh- oh what? In a year and a half. Oh, okay. Keep so he's going to get the truck in the driveway. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So Pod Hubby is going to need another new car. So we're discussing both of us getting brand new vehicles. Yeah. Because we both put so little miles mm-hmm. that they would last us for like the next. Ever. <laughs> probably till we die. <laughs> so we are actually discussing that today. And that's what he wants. Well, he goes, he was telling me about like a different car that I different car and I go well I thought you wanted the Tesla truck he was like well that would be what I would really want I'm like if that's what you fucking want then fucking buy it bro yeah just because I think it looks hideous doesn't mean that I'm gonna be like (laughs) not seen in it or anything like buy what you want I love you I want you to have what you want yeah I don't care yeah exactly dude that's crazy but I mean (laughs) oh god Elon he's such a fucking there's so much there you know what I mean Let's go here. His ideas, for the most part, are actually pretty <laughs> revolutionary, right? Yeah. He, him as a person, I would absolutely hate meeting. I'd be like, this is the worst experience of my life. But your ideas are... I don't understand how you exist. You, you are know, chaotic neutral. What he the fuck? makes me laugh. Like, him and Nick Cannon make me laugh because right? they keep having these babies with all these women. And I'm like, what? who are these women that keep, like, reproducing with you because... You're also reproducing with someone else at the exact same time. You know what, though? They got money. That's exactly right. Child support. And they never have to see them. Shit. They get the money, they get the nannies, but they don't ever have to get the dick again. Hey. They just figured out how to game the system. They're like, fine, billionaires aren't going to give us money. We're going to figure it out for our damn selves. Ready? They're just smart. You know what applies right now? This right here. (laughs) Don't hate the player, hate the game. That's right, sis. What's up? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly right. And I'm trying to hate the players because (laughs) I miss that train. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Fuck. I got stuck with the husband, the kids, and no money. (laughs) 
like, how the hell did I get this deal out of the, all of this? Oh, bless. <laughs> so Longmire, huh? <laughs> Longmire's great, you guys. You'll want to move to Wyoming. <sighs> you know, I did say to the pod, Abby, I go, this makes me want to move to a small town even more. And this dipshit says, I don't know why. They have like a murder every single day. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point. It's like moving to Fargo or something. It's like somebody's going to be in a wood chipper here pretty soon. So I'm like, oh, God dude. bless. That, yeah. So I have been, what have I been watching? Jeez. Oh, Glow glow Up's back. Oh, yeah. The women's wrestling one. No, no, no. The, the makeup. Where they do the makeup. Oh, I never watched it. What? Yeah, no, I've never, I've never seen it. Is You've it? never watched it where they do the artistry makeup? Mm-mm. What is wrong with you? I don't know. You're the makeup <laughs> person. Am I? <laughs> You're the costume person? I am. That's true. But this... Oh, I have a makeup question. Okay. I've been meaning to ask you for months. What's that? Do you do concealer, then primer, or primer, then concealer? Oh, primer. First, always. So it's like moisturizer, primer, and then you put all your makeups on top of that. Okay, well, that's what I've been doing. And every morning when I do it, this is what I think to myself every single morning, 5 a.m., I need to ask Jesse if this is right. <laughs> well, now at 5 a.m., you know the answer to that. <laughs> now, that's the latest and greatest documentation that I've seen. However, TikTok has a wonderful trend of going, you think you know how you're doing it. Let's flip it and reverse it. And whether or not it works or not. Gen Z, stop that. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. But Gen Z, bring the comfort. Stop that. <laughs> stop remixing all the ways that things are supposed to be done, please. Yeah. No, but... Yes, primer first, because it's supposed to, like, smooth your skin, make it, like, a kind of a glass, you know, base, essentially, so then you can put the shit on top of it. Okay, thanks. You got it. Got it right. Yeah. Oh, I do need to give a shout-out to this amazing company for their amazing customer service. Yeah. Because I did not have to fight them. So, you know, I've been using Dr. Brandt's face wash for, like, ever. Yes. Very good stuff. So... I have a subscription, so I get it sent regularly, so I don't have to go, because I forget to order it, and then I'm out, yeah. and then you bleh. Makes total sense. Well, my last order, it never got here. Oh. And so, you, I can track it. It's been sitting at the same place forever, so I sent them an email. I, I haven't got my last order. They sent me the tracking information, and it said, but if this doesn't help you, just reply to this email. Oh. Guess what? You normally can never reply no. to those emails. No, it's like, do not reply at, and you're like, God dang it. So I replied, and I said, yeah, I tracked it, but it's been at its last location for like two weeks. Hmm. And I got, so I have that, um, what is that app, Shopify or whatever? Oh, yeah, where you can track your packages. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's great. So before I even got an email, my Shopify went off. This was like a Friday. First thing Monday morning, I had a notification from Shopify saying I had a new package coming from Dr. Brands. Oh. So then I have an email saying, we're considering it lost and we're sending you a new one. Oh, sick. Um, instead of sending it regular mail, they are sending it two-day air. Oh, shit. Like expressing it to you. Holy yes. crap, that's phenomenal. I didn't have to fight them. I didn't have to pay for it. Wow. Nothing. They were like, okay, it's a lost package. We're sending you a new one. That's incredible service. I didn't have to like 
A, I was able to reply to the email. Yeah, seriously. Went somewhere <laughs> to a, probably an actual human on the other side, which is great. Yes. I didn't have to like fight them and say, I'm not lying. I'm not trying to get extra product. I promise it's not here. I didn't have to go, but it's lost. I can't, yeah. it's been stuck here. You know, go back and forth with them. They immediately were like, okay, it's lost. Here's a new one. And we're sending it two day shipping. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Dude, that's incredible service. I almost forgot. I Because I think people complain too much when things go wrong, but yeah. nobody ever talks about when things go right. Yeah. And you're right, because like I think that's one thing that, you know, it's an easy way for all of us just to kind of help the world a little bit is you go to like a family diner or restaurant and you had a great service, just leave them a quick Yelp review. You'd be surprised. Like that makes a huge difference to those people because it gets more followers and, and where people coming in and same for like that, like a company that, yeah, they're established and everything, but still, you know, they, those are real people and real people's jobs and they're putting their care and effort into it. Same, something nice. So that's awesome. Yeah. I was super excited. I didn't have to fight with them. I'm like, thank <laughs> God. So, um, yeah, Dr. Brandt's is great. It's a, I mean, it's definitely like, I mean, you love it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. It's awesome. So I've been, um, like watching, well, back to what we were watching, um, this documentary on Netflix, like fell into my lap. Did you see it? I killed my father or whatever. No. Okay, good. I was afraid. I was like, oh no, she's going to be like, you just watched this and just did the entire episode on it. And yes, I did. That's exactly what I did. (laughs) But I also did other sources. I read other sources. Um, But the documentarians did a very good job with their sources and with all of the information. In fact, they did such a good job that when I was reading up on other news sites that I noticed errors in the news sites, I was like, that's not how that happened at all, according to the person that it happened to. So cool. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it seemed like there were, oh, cool new Netflix documentary. Let's just put out a piece real quick about it. Mm -hmm. Didn't really actually watch it. Yeah. Which I was like, come on, y'all. I will say one thing about this episode. It is an SP episode for domestic violence. Okay. So heads up. Just want to let you know. You can tune out for this section and come back for Treasure Child, which is usually at the end. That's like 20, 30 minutes. So yeah. Heads up on that. And It's I can't, a good one. I have I, a real good one. Ugh, I cannot wait. I mean, it's not a glitter arm. Glitter arm. I'm, I know. I'm never going to live up. I, no. I, I'm just really glad that I could provide you with that moment. As soon as I saw her, I was like, oh my God, please don't let Amanda have seen her already and about to do her because I had to. Listen to last, uh, the last episode to find out who that is. I, I'm never going to live up to those standards, <laughs> but I got somebody pretty good. So if you have not already seen the documentary on Netflix, this is also a major spoiler alert for the entire thing so i'm gonna give away the entire episode we recommend that you listen to our episode and not stop and go watch netflix yeah exactly um so on that note let's start in 2007 a young anthony tom play is leaving his mother's house in houston texas Teresa, his mom had just come back from leaving anthony's father due to extreme physical mental and emotional abuse to get her son however her son and her father and father bert were gone and they stayed gone for 12 years so Anthony Tom Play was born around September 13, 2003 in Houston, Texas. Why that date is unsure, you'll find out a little bit later. 
He was born to Bert Tomplay and Teresa Thompson. And to say that their life was idyllic would be a fucking stretch. Bert was an incredibly abusive person who drank a lot. Don't know if he was an alcoholic, but what I do know is what everyone said was when he was drinking, his abuse got worse. Well, of course it did. I mean, hello. That's a very common mix. And one time, he beat Teresa so badly, um, she was injured, and she had to lay in bed for a week. And in fact, in the documenta- uh, documentary, she was like, I don't know why I stayed after that, to be honest. And uh, I do. It's very, very, very common. Um, and we've covered this before. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, the reasons people stay are complex, and in these relationships, quote, the victim in violent relationships knows their abuser best and fully knows the extent to which they will go to make sure they have and can maintain control over the victim. The victim literally may not be able to safely escape or protect those they love. A recent study of intimate partner homicides found 20% of homicide victims were not the domestic violence victims themselves, but family members, friends, neighbors, persons who intervened, law enforcement responders, or bystanders. And real quick, if this is happening to you, you can text START to 88788 or call 800-799-7233 if this is happening to you or somebody that you love. Um, so Teresa and Bert's relationship obviously started to deteriorate between 2003 and 2007. And when Bert ripped a chunk of Teresa's hair out in a fight that they had and was starting to threaten her with even more violence, it scared her to death. And it was that point where it was, you know, basically I'm going to kill you. You know, one of those like where... The girl, the woman's like, okay, this guy's going to kill me if I stay. I need to get out of here. So she left immediately. She left her son. She was scared to death. She was like, fuck this. She went all the way back to her mother's house in Ingleside, Texas by Corpus Christi. Um, And because of that, she wasn't able to turn around and, you know, get her son. She was in a bad state. She had to stay at her mom's house just to recover her body, you know, let alone her emotional, you know, all of it, mental health for a couple months and once she was recovered enough to drive back to Houston and get her son it was about a three hour drive by the way between Houston and Ingleside Bert and Anthony were gone and she had no idea where they were so Teresa smartly went to AVDA which is Aid to Victims of Domestic Abuse in Houston and filed a civil protective order on April 10th 2007 against Bert she also filed for custody of Anthony but Bert failed to appear So, Teresa fed up and spent her own money to print flyers to put up with Bert and Anthony's faces on them, saying that her child's missing and kidnapped. She put them up all over Houston and Ingleside, and then she also started searching online for traces of them. She started looking for schools or anywhere a kid might go, like sports or something like that, came up with nothing. She finally called Bert's parents, who lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and Anthony answered the phone. Oh, well. Yeah. So she's like, oh, thank God. First off, thank God you're okay. You know, I haven't heard you, your voice in how long now and you're safe, but what the fuck, (laughs) you know? Um, She was so relieved to find him. She drove straight to Baton Rouge to get him. When she got to the door, she could hear her son inside, but Bert's parents wouldn't let her have her son. Of course they wouldn't. So now she was desperate. And she put up all those flyers around their neighborhood as well. Mm-hmm. This kid is stolen, essentially, mm-hmm. and kidnapped. Hello, that's my son. 
She then went to the Baton Rouge courts and filed a court order to have Bert hand over her son. And the court ruled in her favor. So she took Anthony back home to Ingleside, Texas with her and lived with her sister and her mom, his grandma. These were a happy couple of months for them both, and Anthony was around four or five at this time. But Bert couldn't handle this, and he would stalk them at Teresa's mom's house by parking his truck out by the tree line outside their property and watching them. Teresa got a feeling that she was being watched, and she said she never really felt safe. And then came June 15, 2007. Teresa had run out to go do an errand and left Anthony with her mother, his grandma. The cop came to the door and told grandma that Anthony had to come with him due to a court order. Her mom was shocked because she thought, like, all this is done. Like, what are you talking about? But she knew, like, cops here, I, I can't not give the cop the kid, you know? Oh, you can. You can call the police and make sure that the person on your doorstep's legit. Well, yeah, no, but it was a real cop. I mean, obviously, you want to make sure, yeah, if you're not sure if it is a cop, but it was actually a cop because Bert had done a reverse Uno card on Teresa and filed a lawsuit for temporary custody of Anthony in Baton Rouge, citing that Teresa was an untrustworthy drug addict and a liar, claiming that Bert was abusive, even though he fucking was. Because guess what? Teresa wasn't Bert's first victim. Shock among shocks, right? Oh, I mean... Yeah. I'm shocked. Yeah. All of us are like, wow, didn't see that one coming. He had a record filled with misdemeanors and felonies since the 1990s, all related to assault and domestic violence. See, now the Baton Rouge court knew nothing of this, nor did they know about Teresa's Houston, Texas filing about custody, so they ruled in his favor... And Bert took Anthony in 2008 and never returned him after leaving for Baton Rouge. And Teresa was so beaten down by this point, she felt she had no other options to get her son back and that the system had won. And a side note here, Teresa, her mom, and her sister live in a poor area of Texas, okay? They don't have much means. And Bert was doing very well for himself at the time in the documentary. They said that he made about $100 an hour as an engineer. So... Imagine the legal shit that he could put them through for just to have her son come back. Like, it's insane. And this, coupled with Bert's already controlling abusive ways, left her feeling like she literally had no other choice but to just let it happen. And I really don't fault her at all. It makes sense. You condition well, a person, you beat them down. Yes, and that, unfortunately, and, is, you know, happens so often. It does. It really does. So from 2008 to 2019, Bert and Anthony lived in Baton Rouge. Bert met another woman, Susan, and married her. And okay, just so you know, there's really not much information about the timeline between Teresa divorcing her and marrying Susan, like all of that. It's kind of not out there. Um, but because Anthony was kidnapped as a child, Bert never enrolled him in school. He didn't have any friends and he wasn't out allowed outside the house unless Bert let him outside the house. So he was a captive in his own home. Yep. Cool. Bert's house had nine cameras on the outside alone. And a shit ton more inside. I mean... Get this. When Susan would drive up into the carport from work and shut her engine, Bert would know that her engine had turned off due to an app he had on his phone, walk outside, 
walk her from her car inside and vice versa every single day. Like, and obsessively she, And she's with him because why? I, girl, I mean, obviously he didn't start off that way, you know? And then he's putting up these cameras saying, oh, it's to protect you and all this kind of stuff. And it's for us to just make sure we're safe, you know? And you're like, okay. But then when he starts, like, beating you and abusing you, this is whenever the, the gaslighting starts and all that shit that happens in these situations, you know? Yeah. So... When Anthony got older and had a cell phone, Bird installed a GPS tracker on it to find out where he was at all times. Of course he did. Yep. And Susan also had a son, and they were all living there in this house together. She said that she had to teach Anthony how to write at age 10 and started teaching him some basic math and other subjects. That's terrible. Yeah. This kid, like, had no childhood, no friends. He literally... Was like you said, he was a captive in his own home, and because everyone in the house was subject to bird shit, even Susan's son, he would call him a dumb motherfucker and a fat ass, and he would beat them all, punch them, throw things at them. Bert would fly off the handle at the slightest thing, no matter what they did. So eventually, Susan's son had enough, and he said, "I'm going to go live with my dad again. I'm no, I'm done. I'm over this shit, essentially." And honestly, I was like, "Get it." <laughs> When I saw him say that on the documentary, I was like, all right, you know, that takes some balls to say that, especially as like a teenager. Yeah. You know? And Susan's ex-husband came and picked up his son, and he was starting to suspect abuse of her and Anthony, so he called the cops to meet him there when he picked up his son. Susan's ex-husband also called the cops another time, um, Bert, because he, again, same reason, but as we know... Cops can't really do anything unless they see something that is off. Of course. I mean, that's part of the bullshit. This is the part I don't understand, like, fully, is we either need to retrain how to handle these domestic violence situations. I think that's probably most of it. But, like, what are you allowed to do? Because, like, if... How do you stop this? Well, the problem is, you know, either they're not doing enough or they're doing too much. Yeah, yeah. Because it's such a gray, not even gray area. That's not the right, that's not what I want to say. Complex? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it is. It's hard to, yeah, you're right. It's hard to to really regulate or put laws on something like this because it's, because I mean, it can be so nuanced for every single. How do the police police something when it's easily, you're easily able to lie about it yeah you know what i mean yeah so really i mean if they don't see it happening how do they know it really happened it's so awful too because i hate that they have to have the evidence in order to get the evidence well unfortunately there's terrible human beings that lie about shit like this i know that affect the actual victims yeah that things do happen to they can't get the help they need because of the pieces of shit in life that think it's a funny and a game to lie about it. Yep. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. If we could all just be adults. And say, this happened, this didn't happen, and not lie about it, especially in cases like this. Or maybe all be adults and not be human pieces of shit and beat women. Yeah, and there's that. Or men. Yeah. Just don't do it. Just don't or do it. Or men. Don't beat people. Yeah, don't, don't do it. Don't don't be an abuser. Yeah. 
It's real simple. Keep your hands to yourself and you can't put them in your pockets. You know what? <laughs> it's like kindergarten. It is. You know the you know the rules of the classroom? <laughs> yes. That's actually rules of life, yeah. everyone. Keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> Don't touch other people yeah. unless they ask to be touched yeah, be in any manner. Yeah, it's you're absolutely right. Because <laughs> sometimes some people like a little hair pull. Hey, or, you know. You know? Get it. We're, n- we're not kink shaming. Do what you got to do. No. But yeah, no, it's, it. you're right. The system is set up. It's so, huh. It, there's just too much complexity in life to have like a one rules to fit them all kind of thing. So. Yeah, you know, and that's what's unfortunate, you know, to play devil's advocate here, yeah. you know, because that's, I'm sure there are plenty of cops out there that go to these calls and want to do something about it. Yeah, but, but they can't legally. Can't. Yeah. Jeez. So when the cops showed up to the house and questioned Anthony one time in front of Bert, if Bert had abused him or beat him or had seen Bert abuse or beat Susan... Anthony said, no, I haven't seen him beating anyone or Susan being beaten. But the cop asked Anthony in front of Bert, the abuser. So, of what course, the he's going to say he gonna no. S- exactly. Guys, that's not, this is what I'm saying. I think training needs to change. Where this, they need to understand that this is a different situation that you're going into. This is not a typical Well, I'm sorry. Thing. Officer Mahoney even knew that in the police academy not yes. to ask him that in front of the abuser. Yeah, exactly. So that's the, like, don't do that. And then the other thing is, I, I just feel like that in like cult situations is another thing a lot of cops aren't prepared for because when they go into it and everyone's saying, oh no, everything's great, everyone's fine, and, and everyone looks fine, cops are like, okay, everything looks fine. It's like, dude, that's what they're supposed to, they're being forced to tell you that. They're like, that's the point of these groups, is that control. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just, ugh, it's awful. And to quote Anthony, they proved to me time and time again that they could do nothing for me. Cops left every time. He never got in any trouble. In 2018, Bert got in his head that Anthony had to have a job and started bugging one of his neighbors who owned a greenhouse to give Anthony a job. The guy wanted to get to know Anthony first because he really hadn't seen him in the neighborhood. So they all went to dinner together. The guy tried to ask Anthony questions, but Bert would always answer every single question for Anthony. Of course he would. Anthony did get the job and, you know, help water plants, all that kind of stuff. And Bert would call the nursery whenever Anthony's GPS tracker on his cell phone was still for too long and ask what the kid was doing. So did he get fired? Because I feel I would fire um, him for that. No, he didn't get fired. If anything, like, I think... What was interesting is the his coworker was on the documentary and they could tell something was off. Mm-hmm. Like they thought because they did take in homeschool kids, what they said, mm-hmm. and they understand that there can be a little socially awkward and all that shit, which is fine. They were like, yeah, no, it's no worries. They just thought that at first. Oh. But then whenever stuff like this started to happen, she said, then she started to feel like it looked more like neglect. So instead, they were more concerned about it than like what the fuck is this guy's problem? You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they actually kind of wanted to keep Anthony closer to them because they were a little concerned by his father's behavior. Which I'm like, good for y'all to kind of see something and go, this is weird. Oh, so they, they were actually doing a see something, say something, uh-huh. just for the wrong thing. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, And of course, they, they had no idea what was going on. Again, 
this shit happens a lot more than y'all think. Like, unfortunately, there's probably people in your neighborhood right now that are going through this. And and because it's all behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. That's the point of that's what this is about is because it's behind closed doors. We need to talk about this to bring these these abusers into the open. You know, I'm real worried about a neighbor I got over here. Really? We never see them. Mm. They have two kids. Never see anyone. Oh, my God. Every once in a while, the man comes out and mows the yard. Mm-hmm. That's it. Groceries are delivered. They never leave the house. Oh, that's weird. The car's parked in the garage. So. There's no, like, literally, it looks like no one's living there, basically. Exactly right. And there's a family of four. Uh-huh. Wow. Get this. We have one in our neighborhood, like a house like this, that has, I'm not kidding you. Yes, probably around nine cameras facing on the outside. It has these two red lights on the back of their fence that blink at night. It has like, like literally insane, insane amounts of like security for a, a suburban house. It's like, dude, chill. Like if you really are that scared of this neighborhood, why the fuck did you move into it? You know what I mean? Is it a grow house or a drug house? No, I don't know. But Pod Hubby was walking late at night because he likes to walk when it's cool. And here in Texas, that's like 930. <laughs> so in the summer. So mm-hmm. totally get that. So he likes to walk at night. Oh, like, I'm yeah. scared for him walking by this house. Yeah, he was too. One night he was walking by the house and the next day was trash day. And he said that whoever was living in there threw out body sized trash bags into the trash and Did I was like, hey, what now? Who in the who in the what? Please tell me you went and opened them. Uh, no, he didn't. I, he, I was like, oh, uh, I'm like, avoid, avoid, run, run away. <laughs> so, and that was the only time we've ever seen anybody come out of that house. And we used to go on like walks in the neighborhood at lunchtime because mm-hmm. we were from home and shit. Mm-hmm. Dude, like it's fucking insane. Either I have a feeling that they're keeping people in, not the other way around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's strange. I want to know what was in those trash bags. Me too. Me too. You know if the trash was on the curb, that is public property. I think he put it, he put it in a can, in his cans. But I think, aren't they, the, isn't that technically? Yeah, because it's on the street. Yeah, that's how they got the Golden State Killer, huh? Yep. Oh, fuck. We do have a grow house, though. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> These motherfuckers have the brightest lights I've ever seen in my life on the second story of their house. And we see plants right by the window. It's like, y'all are not smooth at all. Like, at Those are all. the dumbest motherfuckers. I know. We call them the moth people because the lights are so bright. And they're like on constantly. <laughs> and I'm like, wouldn't that be kind of a creepy like horror film is like moth people, like human sized moth people, like the moth man. Ugh. Creepy. Dude, there's some crazy shit going on in my neighborhood, man. There's some crazy ass shit. I live in the wrong fucking neighborhood. Yeah, man. Next time there's a house for sale, let me know so I can... (laughs) Dude, you need to get up in this shit. So, anyway... So I can see about relocating. (laughs) Our husbands would die. I know, right? I digress. Anywho, continue on. Yes. So, Susan eventually left Bert. Shock among shocks as well. Because guess what? They had... He was doing the same thing to her. He was doing it to all the other women he was ever with. It makes me sad for these women that it's cyclic, cyclical. Yes. 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 You you really hit it because huh, there's this horrifying moment. And just so you know, Teresa's mama is a good old Texas grandma. Oh, she a meemaw. She a meemaw. She's kind of thinner, but you know, and and she 
just takes care of, just does her thing. You know she, what I'm saying? She a meemaw that she bakes meemaw. casserole. Yes, yes, yes. 100%. She's so sweet. And if y'all don't know what a meemaw who bakes <sighs> casserole is, is, we can't really explain that to you. Yeah, you just got to kind of look it up. You, you know? just kind of got to know what a meemaw is. <laughs> yeah. It's not a grandma. No. There's grandmas and then there's a meemaw. Meemaws are, are sweeter than grandmas. Grandmas are sweet, but they'll like... They, they'll they'll discipline you in church. Meemaws will just look at you and kind of wink and give you a piece of candy or some shit, you know? Yeah. Meemaw's the one acting up in church with you. Yeah, exactly. And she's... <laughs> Meemaw's taking everybody. Yep. Everyone's their children and their, yes. grand, their grandchildren. Absolutely. Yes. I don't... I. I just don't know how to explain a meemaw. You just know what a meemaw is. Mm-hmm. And she's so sweet, but guess what happened to her? No, I can't. No, I do not accept. Yep. I'm sorry. Let me tell you about my treasure child. Yep. So, and that's actually a question she asked. She's like, how do you break the cycle of abuse? And I was just like, oh, this documentary. It's, by the way, if you watch it, I ugly cried quite a bit. Just heads up. So gear up if you're going to watch this thing. So, Susan left Bert after they had a huge argument where he punched her in the face and said to her, you have no idea what I'm capable of, little girl. So, she went to stay at a hotel for two months. According to Anthony, she had left before, and this didn't surprise him at all. So, she went to the cops the next day to file a protective order against Bert in February 2019, but she didn't report Anthony's abuse on her protective order, which even the prosecutor in Anthony's criminal case found odd. And I do too. And just so you know, Susan from the dock, I am not victim blaming at all. I just, she is, from what I can tell, a person who cares more about herself than necessarily others around her. And not in a, I don't know if she knows she's doing it kind of way. So like narcissistic, but... I feel just like, a tinge of it, just enough to where like she didn't put down Anthony's abuse. Like that's like come on, there's another kid there, and your your own son's abuse. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like it's just like wait, why wouldn't you go that extra step to protect these children? I don't I don't care if Anthony's not your kid. You see it? I don't know. It was weird. So anyway, but yeah. So you'll notice this whole time I'm not talking about Anthony. It's about all these other people. It's because Anthony wasn't allowed to live a life. Like, at all. At all. Anthony's abuse wasn't documented because of the control Bert had over him. Anytime the cops showed up, he had to lie. Anthony was abused for anything and everything. He walked and lived on eggshells. And from what I can tell, he really learned how to hide very, very well. Hide his emotions, hide himself, and make himself as small and as as invisible as possible so he didn't get yelled at or beaten. He would spend all day every day in his room playing video games, being quiet, with headphones on, in order to escape the wrath of Bert, and even that wouldn't always do it. Sometimes he would just find a reason to fly off the handle. So he was kind of trying to hide in plain sight. Yeah. Basically, like, if, if he thought if he could stay as far away as from his father as possible throughout the day, he wouldn't be beaten and he wouldn't be abused. And it's just like, like, of course, he he's then learning during this formative age. He was five when he was taken by Bert. All the way to his, like, teens, all his formative years, how to be this person to survive. So, Anthony, because he wasn't allowed to live a a life or be a child, when you first see him in the documentary, he looks like he has no emotion, like a sociopath. And you're like, oh, this kid looks off. Well, he didn't learn emotion. Right. 
And I was curious, like, could someone be made a sociopath? According to WebMD, quote, the current belief is that psychopathy, psychopathy generally comes from genetic factors such as parts of the brain not fully developing, while sociopathy results from an interruption in personality development by abuse or trauma in childhood. So yeah, I think that Anthony basically, this is a survival instinct, is don't feel anything because it's too awful. You have well, to, yeah. it's too much for a little kid to handle. Yeah. So that's why he, that was, yeah, he became a sociopath. Um, so after Susan left, Bert started drinking more and more, got super religious. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and would say that Anthony was demonic and eventually Bert lost his job. Susan was trying to serve Bert the papers for his for her protective order, but Bert never answered the door, so he couldn't get served. Cops came once, tried to serve. Susan's brother and nephew tried to serve it. All you have to do is just not answer the door? Yeah. I'm going to need the pod heavy to stop fucking answering the goddamn door. (laughs) Just in case. Are you here to serve me papers? (laughs) What are you doing, girl? What are you not saying? (laughs) I mean, I don't plan on being served, Uh but have you ever seen on TV where people are just minding their own fucking business and they open the door and then they're like, you've been served and they're like, I haven't ever fucking done anything. Yeah. Oh yeah, girl. I know. We're going to piss somebody off on this podcast. (laughs) That's true. That's probably true. Probably right now. Please don't serve me. Please don't serve us. We don't have any money. Like, literally, like, scraping the bottom of the barrel between both of us. Like, I don't know what you want. Like, a gas card? I can do that. You know what? I got these um, really cool pins and buttons from the true crime cat lawyer right here. They're real cute. They have Winston on them. Aw. He is a cute little angel sweet baby. That's all you... That and some cinnamon rolls. That's what you're going to get. Oh, God. So eventually they did serve Bert. And then when they went inside the house to get, you know, some of her stuff back, you know, furniture and shit, the usual breakup crap, Mm -hmm. they saw a shotgun and a rifle out in the open inside the house. With a child. Like a teenager kid. Like, really? How many times do we have to, like... Please request that maybe you should please lock up your guns. Yeah, please lock up your guns. And also, if you see that and there's a child in the house, maybe, like, take the kid with you for a moment. We're, we're just saying... Just for a second. We're just saying it is of our, our, our opinion that you should lock up your firearms if there's children in the home. Yep. So then Susan went full Real Housewives on his ass and posted her restraining order on Nextdoor.com. Oh, so but here's the yeah. problem with that. That got Bert's behavior escalated. Um, everyone with the child in the home can again. I, can can I do a <laughs> see you next Tuesday PSA, please? So, I I think that women do need to file for restraining orders. I'm a big advocate. But I also think that everyone needs to understand that um, a piece of paper doesn't really stop anyone when they're very motivated to act on their ideas and feelings. So maybe you should not post said Mm -hmm. restraining order on any form of social media um, because... That said piece of paper is not going to keep them from following through with something if they're determined to do it. 
Yep. But you should definitely go get one if need be because it will help you get the law enforcement involved if they should want to act on their thoughts and feelings. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. It's um that's what I'm trying to say about Susan. It's really hard to describe. It's just like she's not taking that extra care or forethought. Like, girl, I get where you're at. That's smart to say, look who's living in your neighborhood. I get I get that, but the repercussions to Anthony you didn't think about. You, you That's a big problem for me. You don't taunt somebody mm-hmm. who's, when yeah. who you are scared enough and who has hurt you enough to be granted a restraining order against. Knowing that, again, a kid is living in the house with said person and you just saw two open firearms inside the house. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen? I'm not... I'm. Trying not to victim blame. No, I know. Me either. That's. I'm just saying, like, it just, I, just think one step ahead. Just one step further, and then yeah, the, you I, see what I mean? I'm just saying my PSA for the day is, um, while restraining orders are great, and I think that if you need one, you should file for Absolutely one. Absolutely do it. But you just need to have the forethought that it is only a piece of paper. Yes, and just be, try to take care of yourself. Try to get to, like, a safe place, a friend's house. There are plenty of resources out there, um, but I know it's very difficult so it's easier said than done we're not saying like oh it's so easy oh no 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 no, no. that's not what i'm saying either i'm just saying just just be just know what you're doing (laughs) because (laughs) many many women have um unfortunately passed away or been murdered after getting a restraining order for simply just the act of getting a restraining order yep because that's how dangerous their partners were yep so I'm just saying that um, doing this is not recommended. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously, Anthony started to notice that something was very different inside the house after that moment. Um, it was already escalating. And then this was just kind of like the clincher. On June 3rd, 2019, the cops received a phone call from Anthony to 911 stating that he had killed his father. Anthony stayed outside the house until the cops came, and he was very compliant with them as they arrested him, put the handcuffs on everything. Very calm. Um, Sergeant Greg Brown took him straight to questioning to see what the hell happened that night, and he told Sergeant Brown that he didn't like his dad, and that his dad would hit him, and he would hold things over his head, um, but something wasn't adding up for the sergeant. It's like, okay, well, what, then what? I get it. Like, fathers and sons fight, you know, sometimes physically. You know, it's not good, but it happens. But why this night? Why did you shoot your dad? Like, what's going on here? You know, what escalated to this point? So here was the story that Anthony said. Bert was drunk, looking through Anthony's cell phone in the middle of the night to see if Susan was talking to Anthony or not. Bert woke Anthony up, and Anthony was like, why are you looking at my phone? And Bert was accusing him of talking to Susan, and that Bert didn't like secrets, you know, controlling bullshit. Things got physical, and Bert tried to punch and grab Anthony, and then ran, Anthony ran out of his room into Bert's room and locked the door. Bert was banging on the door and slamming his body into it to get inside. Anthony is inside the room, quietly loading two of his father's handguns and cocking them. Anthony was scared that he would get hurt, is what he said, and that's why he got two guns. He said he got two because he'd never shot them before. He did shoot guns with his father in the past, so he did have some history there. And he didn't tell his dad to stop or scream that he had the guns. He was just quiet inside the room as his father raged outside. 
Anthony felt like he had no other way out and that his life was in danger, is what he's telling the cop. Bert's body slamming the door eventually ended with him stunning himself. He stopped to, like, take a step back and, like, ugh. And then this is when Anthony opened the door and shot Bert three times as Bert walked backwards away from him. So, yes, there were places where Anthony could have opened a window or used a cell phone to call for help, but instead he chose to shoot Bert. He felt that he had no other choice to get out of the situation. So, I'm going to keep going, but I'll get more into that in a minute, okay? I mean, I can see where his thought process is. Yes, he could have, when he says couldn't get out of the situation, I don't think he meant like, that immediate situation. I think it was his entire situation. Exactly right. Exactly right. And so that's what, this is the problem is this sergeant seeing this piece of the whole, like not the whole picture. When you put the whole picture together, you're like, of course this ended like this. A fucking course it yeah. did. How, how else was it going to end? You know, probably the other way around, yeah. to be honest, which is mm-hmm. even worse. It's all of it's awful. So, while he was confessing, Anthony thought all he would have to do is spend a couple of days in jail and then be sent home. That is a child brain, everyone. This just shows me exactly that Anthony was extremely neglected and he didn't really know basic information about how life works, like, at all. Yep. When you back, and to me, I mean, this makes sense. Shooting his dad makes all makes it all the more re- reasonable. It's not right, but it makes it reasonable. When you back someone into a corner and then raise them to feel like they have no options... And then the system put in place to protect them also does nothing. And unless family members don't or can't do anything, it makes sense why he felt like this was the only option that he had. Mm-hmm. I totally see it. 100%. And news spread fast, obviously, around a neighborhood. So just so you know, again, this guy was making a shit ton of money. It's a nice neighborhood. It's very nice. It's like upper middle class for sure. Yeah. And Anthony's greenhouse co-workers, again, remember, he lived in the neighborhood too, found out the next morning. So one of them, the woman I was talking about, thought that the shooting was super odd because she worked right beside Anthony all the time. And she was like, he's really quiet. He's really sweet. I just can't, I just don't get it. Like she was like, this is weird to me. You know, something's off. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when she would ask him things like, Hey man, high five up top. And he's, he would like look at her like he didn't know what the fuck that even meant. And so she was like, okay, Something's, all of this is together somehow. Right. So she called a friend that she knew who was great at finding missing families because, according to the documentary, she had um, found out that her dad wasn't her dad. And mm-hmm. she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> so then she started doing it for her a bunch of her friends and then it just kind of snowballed and she just does it like on the side for funsies. She's like you. Right. Dude. I was like, oh my God, this is Amanda. <laughs> You would love to do this. I mean. You would be like, oh my God, you have a secret sister. You know what I mean? So I have like looked into how to become an investigator and I'm like, oh, you got like do an internship. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm out. <laughs> Forget it. It's too much work. <laughs> exactly right. So if you need me to find anybody for you, call me. <laughs> so this lady was able to track down Natasha spelled N-E-T-A-S-H-A, Anthony's sister, and ask uh, through her Facebook message if she'd ever knew or heard of Anthony Tomplay. And the reason why I spelled that out is because that's a, key, that's a key piece here. Because of how she spells her name, very unusual for Natasha, Yeah, she was better able to find her as what was called on the internet like an associate of Bert somehow, like related to Bert. And oh, this yeah. is how she was able to figure it out. Yeah. So um, 
it, it was really interesting because then obviously Natasha's like, yes, that's my brother. Oh my God, that's him. So I think Teresa had her after the fact, after yeah. she left. Um, and she's like, let me get you in touch with my mom, Teresa. We've been looking for Anthony for 12 years, you know? Yeah. So the lady's like, okay, awesome. You, I found your son. But he's in jail for murdering his father. And she's like, oh, great. She was like, it was the happiest moment of my life. And then it was like the worst moment of my life at the exact same time. And God, you need to watch this because those three ladies, there's such a Texas, an old school Texas vibe there. Mm -hmm. Like back in the day, Texans not weren't like what you see on the news now where it looks like we're all shitheads. Um, we used to take care of each other and socialism was like, you look at your neighbor and you take care of your neighbor mm -hmm. and that was totally fine and acceptable. And that's exactly what you should be doing as a Texan. You take care of, you, first of all, you don't mess with Texas. You don't litter, you don't trash the state. And secondly, you take care of your neighbors. Can I, can I mention a Texas thing? Please. You're going to laugh real hard. You know what my kids said to me one day? Yeah. Mom, we're, we need to get you a MAGA hat. <gasps> what? And I just about hit them and yeah. I've never hit my kids in my life. Yeah. And then they explained it's mothers against Greg Abbott. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would like one too, please. <laughs> Not a mother, but uh, <laughs> that's great. Oh, bless. I didn't know that was a thing. And then I found <sighs> them on TikTok. Oh God, that's great. You know, and that's what I'm trying to say is he is not Texan. I'm sorry. Ted Cruz is not Texan. No. They, they do not represent who actual Texans are, and it's shitty. Just ask any Texan. We'll yeah. tell you. They're not us. So we don't know how they keep getting elected. But, yeah, truly, because I keep voting against them. So help. Help us. Send, Send help. help. <laughs> That's why I said when you come here to visit, spend your money and fucking leave and take me with you. <laughs> Seriously. So, then, okay, so Teresa got to talk to her son after 12 years by calling him in jail. Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Please tell me she went to see him. Yeah. So, at the time, he was in jail for second degree murder because, by the way, Bert died later in the hospital, whatever, whatever, whatever. We don't care. Yeah. So, this is when Anthony's case got more complex because no one knew that he was kidnapped his entire life. No one knew that. How did they not know? Because Bert hid him away. From everybody. Nobody in the neighborhood knew who, why this kid never went to school, why this kid was never like outside, why there were 40,000 cameras in that goddamn house. The whole reason is because Bert kidnapped him. And that's why he never enrolled him in school or put him in any sports or he had never allowed him outside the house. And why it was such a high control thing is because he wanted to keep and control Anthony. Guys, if you see houses in your neighborhood with a bunch of cameras... We're going to need you to do some reconnaissance. <laughs> yeah. And send me the address so I can track down the T. Yeah, seriously. And this is also, keep in mind, this is like the 2000s. Like, this is like internet times. Yeah. So, yeah. Bert did a damn good job. And, and unfortunately, Anthony paid the fucking price. This kid had no education. He had no friends. He had no life. It's awful. So Bert's case got enough attention, obviously, because as they as they start to discover these things, because the breaks in the case came when like that lady found his sister, and then mm -hmm. that became part of the case. And like, wait, what? Because at first it looked like cut and dry, like rich kid kills dad because he's pissed. 
Right. Probably for the money or right. whatever. Right. Then it turns into, wait, no, something else is going on here entirely. And the lawyer took his case pro bono because the guy's a fucking nut, but basically said, and he's right, I would feel awful if I lost knowing you're innocent. Yes. And innocent, not in action, but in spirit. Intent. Yes. Like, he may have intended to kill him, but who, it's like, um, anytime you're captive, you're gonna want to kill the person who is holding you hostage, because that's the only way you're gonna fucking get out. Exactly, exactly. So, he was able to get the charges for Anthony reduced to manslaughter. In 2021, Anthony pled no contest to negligent homicide and got five years probation. Yeah. The system fucking worked in this case. Finally. I cannot believe it. Finally, the justice (laughs) justiced the right way. Yep. He has to, so as part of the conditions of his release, he has to get his GED, agree to counseling, and hold either a full-time job or enroll in school full-time. If he meets all of these requirements, then his record will be expunged yay i know i was like crying i was amazing. i mean i kind of feel like this should be a treasure child not a cuntlet i know i, I don't that know too. how i feel about this i know so this one time the system did the right thing and at the end of the documentary i will say this again spoilers you're this far in yeah, hey here's the whole yeah. thing too bad so sad it's truly heartbreaking to see him experience all the trauma and emotions he pushed down for years he they interview him two months after his release Mm-hmm. And he's crying and saying he just wants to do normal things. The interview asks, what's a normal thing to you? And he says, just to not be, damn, I hate this shit. And he just like starts crying. So all those years of pain and trauma and all the emotions he wasn't allowing himself to feel because of coping, he's now feeling and experiencing like all at once. Well, and Poor he's kid. in therapy and getting the help he needs. Yep. So he's... Learning to feel those emotions and he feels them more easily. So that means he's healing. I know. I know. It's heartbreaking to see. I was just like so happy for him that Mm -hmm. he was crying. Because when you first, the interview him pre and then post, which Mm -hmm. I thought was very smart. Yeah. Nothing. He's got, he's, he's flat. Right. Which makes fucking sense. So again, if you are experiencing this or you know somebody who has text START to 88788 or call 800-799-7233 and Anthony, Tom Play, I hope and wish nothing but the best for you, sir. And keep an eye on those houses with all those fucking cameras. Seriously. Because somebody could be being held hostage. Dude, Ariel Castro, remember that? Yeah. That fucking nutbag? Yeah. Awful, awful. And we're just saying... Yeah. Don't think it can't happen in my neighborhood. This was like rich people, though. Yeah, exactly. So it can happen in your neighborhood. Exactly right. Just saying. I mean, I don't think he's a cuntlet, so I don't know mm-hmm. how I'm. we're going to label this. Yeah, I, I feel like he was backed into a corner. And that's actually what his grandma said, you know? Mm-hmm. They, he just had had enough. and oh. Any of it... Any of us would have done that. Don't lie to yourself and say you wouldn't have. So, yes, there is a wonderful scene in it. When he's, and after he gets out, he goes and visits his grandma's sister. Meemaw. 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 Mama and auntie. And his Meemaw brings him out a cake and she goes, Of course she did. I baked a cake for you every day on your birthday. And this time you get to eat it with us. Oh my God. I was like, Oh my Meemaw. Crying. I'm like, no, you eat cake. I mean, you know I wouldn't cry, but no. I would be touched. <laughs> it was very touching. It was so pure because the other thing the documentary does a very good job of is showing Bert's toxic love mm-hmm. and his mother's 
real love because what she also says a lot of times is like, you know, he doesn't really know who I am. So when he's ready to come visit me, he'll come visit me. He'll come to me. And I thought I was first, I was like, why isn't she like my son, you know, I'm running and screaming and all this stuff. She did want to meet him. It's not it. But she also understands he's been through so much trauma. Mm -hmm. This is hard for him to accept that he has a mother because Bert also lied to him about his mother. He he told, Bert told uh, Anthony the entire time that his mother was a shitbag, you know, drug addict who hated him. Right. And then to find out she's actually this wonderful, caring person who just really was missing you for 12 years. Yeah, because you're a dickweed. Yeah, your father was an asshole. I mean, and I was just like, oh, what a healthy thing to say is like, she understood that her son needed space. I mean, it was just incredible. It's just, you know, luckily he, it does have a family like that to help him. You know what I mean? On the other side. Yeah. Thank God. Um, so who you got for us? Yeah. Treasure child. So, first of all, let me tell you, um, pancreatic cancer is one of the most lethal cancers. In fact, there's only a five-year survival rate of 6%. Mm -hmm. Around 40,000 people a year die from pancreatic cancer. The diagnosis is devastating because it's also diagnosed late after the cancer has spread. And unlike other cancers, it's hard to image because the pancreas is deep in the body and there are no telltale signs or lumps or symptoms um so by the time you bring up any issues you're having to your doctor it's too late and the drugs we currently have aren't good for this disease so but as the cancer takes hold of the body the body issues a distress signal releasing an overabundance of a protein called mesothelium the lean, um, M-E-S-O-T-H-E-L-I-N. Mesothelene. Mesothelene, yeah. Yeah. So um, you would think this is easy. They would just test for the increase of mesothelene, and then you'd have your answer whether or not a patient has cancer. Right. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, right? Yeah. Well, scientists haven't been able to develop a surefire way to look for this red flag in a standard physical Ideally, there would be a cheap and simple blood test that they could do, um, but they don't have one yet. But in her high school sophomore, Jack Andraka, he may have just invented that. Hell yeah, dude. So Jack invented a small dipstick um, that uses one-sixth of a drop of blood and only takes five minutes. And so far, it appears to be much more accurate than the current tests. And this is in its preliminary stages, but drug companies are, are already interested in the testing. Oh my God, that's so great. Yeah, <laughs> pancreatic cancer is no fucking joke, man. No. So what prompted Jack to take on this project? A close friend of Jack's family had recently died of pan- pancreatic cancer. And so Jack had been reading about the disease. Um, and while this was going on, Jack and Steve, his dad, who was a civil engineer. Oh my God have been using carbon nanotubes to screen compounds in the water from the Chesapeake Bay. Jack had become a little obsessed with nanotubes. So, okay, (laughs) y'all. I'm really bad at science, and I had no idea what a nanotube was. So I hit up the good old Google machine. They are tubular molecules composed of a large number of carbon atoms. 
Okay, so I still have no idea what they fucking are. Um, but I, I don't know what a tubular molecule is. I don't know what a carbon atom is. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Just know that he was like super jazzed about it. Yeah, so we're just going to fucking move on. Cool. So Jack was like, he loved science. Like, he was kind of like Sheldon. Okay. From yeah. the Big Bang Theory. Right. He, he was real smart, loved science, you know, whatever. Anywho, so nanotubes look like little piles of black dust to the naked eye, but they are really tiny cylinders about one ten thousandth of a diameter of human hair. Whoa. That can form microscopic networks. Okay, cool. Got it. So Jack says... And I quote, they have these amazing properties. They are stronger than steel. They can conduct electricity better than copper. Holy shit. Yes. Yeah. What? I, I still got nothing, but that sounds real <laughs> fucking impressive. Super fucking cool. Jack sounds cool. Like, I think Jack really should be the one who's crowned prom king. Yeah. Yep. I agree. It shouldn't be on popularity necessarily or like looks or something. It should Jack be Jack like, is cool because Jack understands this shit. Yeah, right. Seriously. That's, that's why Jack is cool. Yeah, seriously. Like, uh-huh. hands down. <laughs> Agreed. Jack's the coolest kid. So Jack was in biology class at school reading a science paper about the application for nanotubes. Well, his teacher was lecturing on about antibodies, um, which bind to particular proteins in the blood. And that's when his little genius brain put these puzzle pieces together. He was in biology class, reading a science paper. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, like we all did in biology class. I didn't do that in biology class. Me and Jack wouldn't have been friends no. in school. I mean, maybe if, like to study because he knew what the fucking answers were. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I yeah. might have would have sat next to him and... Exactly. ...cheated <laughs> off his paper. So he... He thought, what if I could lace a nanotube network with mesothelium-specific antibodies then introduce a drop of pancreatic cancer cancer patient's blood? The antibodies would bind to the mesothelium and enlarge. The enlarged molecules would spread the nanotubes further apart, changing the electrical properties of the network. The more mesothelium present, the more the antibodies would bind and grow big and the weaker the electric signal would become other scientists have recently um designed similar tests for breast cancer and prostate cancer but nobody had addressed it in pancreatic cancer Mm -hmm. so he's like why not (laughs) that's kind of one of the ones we absolutely need to take out because it is so lethal yeah so jack wrote up an experiment protocol and emailed it to 200 researchers smart kid one of them's got to pay attention right I mean, I wouldn't even know how to contact a researcher uh, or who they were or... Where do you even start with that process? Is there like a white pages? Like, what the fuck? Researchers. Do I just Google... <laughs> researchers near me. How, <laughs> how do I email a researcher and you come up? Like... Uh, seriously. Oy. Only one responded. But you know what they did? Hmm. They decided to invite Jack to his lab. Ooh. Good job. And then a postdoctoral chemist was assigned to oversee the project. And they just kind of took it in stride. They thought, oh, I'm going to be overseeing this kid for a couple of weeks over the summer. Not a yeah. big deal. Yeah, a little, little extra credit for his yeah. college paper or whatever yeah, the hell. Yeah, it's just some high school kid, yeah. right? Looking good. Nope. 
Jack worked every day after school for seven months and most of the time on Saturdays until midnight. Dude. This chemist was pissed, bro. <laughs> He's like, I got stuck babysitting this fucking kid. Yeah, dude. Now my nights and weekends are gone. <laughs> Thanks, dude. So Jack lived off. What do you think he Ramen. Lived? Say ramen. Hamburgers. French fries. <laughs> Hard boiled eggs and Twix. Why? Why did I, my next thought go to eggs? I actually was thinking that as you were saying it. Why? Well, that makes sense. Actually, it does make sense. I'm sure it's one of these, get ready, science brain people. They're like, well, the egg has protein enough to keep me going. And then the sugar from the Twix, you know what I mean? And you're like, God dang it. No, he's just a kid and likes candy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so his mom slept in the car in a nearby parking garage because he was just a kid and couldn't drive. Right. Um, so Jack even worked on Thanksgiving, Christmas, and his 15th birthday. Dude, this kid is fucking killing the game. So finally, at 2.30 a.m. in December, Jack ran into the parking lot to where his mom was because he was successful. Oh, God, that's so cool. His test had detected mesothelene in the artificial samples. A few weeks later, his test pinpointed mesothelene in the blood of mice-bearing human pancreatic tumors. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Things were then kind of a whirlwind. He went viral on YouTube. He went viral on YouTube. I mean, at least it's viral for a good reason and not because the earth is flat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or because he took his shirt off. I don't right, know. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> I don't get on YouTube. I don't know how it works. <laughs> I don't know how any of this works. And he has spoken with attorneys and licensing companies. Um, Jack has said he has finished his patent and starting an LLC. Dude. Okay. <laughs> the scientist that let him use his lab has said that the dipstick should ultimately be modified to identify other flag raising cancer proteins along with the mesothelene. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. So it's not perfect on the first go. Uh, he just did something that y'all motherfucking asses haven't been able to do. Also... He developed something to detect the cancer nobody else can detect, but now you want it to not only detect that, but other cancers as well? Right. How about you go fuck yourself exactly. and eat out. a dick? He was just like, well, you know, actually. He's a well-actually guy. Well, I think he was, well, actually a lot jealous. Yeah, exactly. And that there was more testing to be done before publishing a peer-reviewed paper. Which, yeah, of course, but we all know that about peer-reviewed papers. That's the point. Which, you know, which would be the next step. And if all goes well, the project wouldn't be on the market for decade. For a decade. Dec decades? What? Oh, because they got to do all the testing. For a decade. Oh, okay, okay. But Jack, Jack is still in high school, and he's working on the science fair. You know, like any normal kid. Of course kid. he would be. Of course. Yeah. He's Doc Brown over here. He's going to win the science fair. <laughs> no shit. Everybody else should literally go home. Literally. You should just not. Stop. Stop. Don't Goodbye. compete, everyone. Don't <laughs> compete against Jack. He's going to win. But he's also given TED Talks Jesus. and spoke at international ideas festivals. That's amazing. Homeboy at 15 has given TED Talks. Yeah. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> Speaking of TED Talks, let me give you a little TED Talk that I and you... Are in possession of what's that? The second ultimate, the second best murder weapon of all time. I realized that this week. The pen? No, our baby knives. Oh, because huh. I realized 
You get close enough, you get the artery. Uh-huh. And then it's so tiny, you dispose of it. You and these baby knives. You dispose of it. Ain't nobody gonna find what, the motherfucker. What situations do you think we're gonna be in where we need to slash someone's neck with a baby knife? You never know what's gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, we, we all know... With literally nothing but guns, and we're bringing a knife to a gunfight. We all know the best murder weapon is an icicle. Oh, yes, naturally. Then second one in line is the baby knife. It's small enough to hide away. You you're you find yourself being held hostage. They come close to you <laughs> to assault you. Uh-huh. You get the artery. Uh-huh. What's happening? Why are the wheels falling off again? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> we were doing so good. <laughs> Um, oh, so Jack is, what's Jack doing now? So he's out it. there fucking killing the game. He's still, you know, he's still in, submitting in his project. He's still in high school Jeez. submitting his projects for the science fair, but he, on the side, he does TED Talks and, you know, International Ideas Festival. Shit. And he's working on his, um, finishing up his patent and his LLC to get this patented so he can submit his um invention to drug companies wow you know so what i'm doing is polishing off the second cinnamon roll <laughs> i'm about to eat some more of mine and yeah <laughs> thanks jack for making us feel like worthless oh. pieces of shit over no, here that's dude that's freaking incredible i like, know jack is he's insane like keep doing what you're doing man don't don't let up because you're obviously that's the point man you come in with a new idea I love that at least one person was like, hell yeah, we need, yes, put your ego to the side and let, let's figure this out together. If, if COVID's taught us anything, I think it should have taught the scientific community that at least, you yeah. know? Here's my thing. It's like I said before, Jack should be the prom king. Yep. Don't be making fun of these kids. Yeah, no. They, they'll change the world. All of the yes. people we've been talking about. He's going to be saving lives. Yeah, exactly. And apparently his brother is a scientist as well. Okay. <laughs> Because of course he is. And they like make experiments in their basement and their mom has no idea what they're doing down there because she's doesn't understand. She's just like, hey, don't make a bomb and blow up the house. Pretty much. Like, please just don't make the house explode today. Okay, sweeties, don't blow up the house today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thank you all so much for listening uh, to us. And oh, by the way, we have a Patreon uh, with exclusive content. We're recording a couple more video killer episodes today. So go take a listen. They're going to be super badass. Um, And also, if you go to our Patreon, you get episodes a day early. And you get to see us do this via video. Hi. So, yeah, it's pretty fun and cool. Um, and, uh, yeah. Oh, also go check out our website. We finally have merch on our website. Yeah, Go check it out. And we love you guys. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.